0: This program is brought to you by the Gin Society, www.ginsociety.com. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Kieran Gribben, a singer, songwriter and guitarist, originally from Northern Ireland. He has performed as the lead singer of the band Layer and most recently as the lead singer of the band In Excess. He's been nominated for a Grammy after co-writing Madonna's Track Celebration and has opened for Sir Paul McCartney at Hyde Park. And Ben Elias, Australian rugby league footballer, playing 234 matches for the Balmain Tigers, he's represented New South Wales on 22 occasions and has pulled on the Australian jersey 14 times. In 2005, he's nominated as one of the 25 greatest New South Wales players of all times. And post career has been hugely successful as a businessman, making money in the mobile phone game, property, and in the mining sector. Let's get started. We'll get started boys, on the show today, Kieran Gribbon, singer, songwriter and guitarist, uh, originally from Northern Ireland, so welcome to the show, Kieran. Thanks
1: for having me man.
0: And Benny Elias, I've known Benny for years, Australian Rugby League, legend, footballer, so welcome to the show Benny.
1: <laughs> G'day Shane, good to be here and uh, great to be in uh, Music Royalty. <laughs>
0: Mate, well, so Kieran, we are just chatting just before, before we got on air here, but it's um, pretty tough for a muser at the moment.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, COVID is not uh, friendly to most industries, but I think anyone in, uh, well, musician, entertainment, anything in events, it's literally gone. There is nothing happening. We've transitioned a little bit into virtual stuff, but, you know, I think, you know, there's nothing beats a live band and people in a room with a live band. You can't really transition into uh, digital easily and, and hold the same sort of vibe. So, yeah, very... Very tough times for musicians and
1: in general.
0: And and Benny, it's been a bit of a strange footy season, obviously yeah. a shorter version. How, how are you finding that?
1: Oh, look, you know what, Shona? i say this. The the chairperson of the game now, uh, Peter Valani's, he set a date on the 28th of May. He gave people hope yep. to come back to life and normality. And everyone thought he was a lunatic. And um, we worked backwards from there. It was like setting a wedding, I suppose. And, you, you know, you set the date for the wedding, and then you start doing all the preparations and what we're going to do prior to that wedding, well mate, 10 out of 10 for this bloke because um, the AFL, they said they were going to come back on the 1st of September, that's how dire straits we were in, and they looked at what the rugby league world was doing and they followed and two weeks after we came back on, they obviously had, were put under extreme pressure to come back on and they did. So mate, it's been tough, it's the old cliche, we're all in this together and we really are. And you know, we you look at Melbourne at the moment, which is just an absolute catastrophe. The one thing that people do love turning on the T V is their footy. It's their escape. They escape there for, for a couple of hours and uh, the footy's never been better off, you know, with a couple of new real changes they've made with the rugby league with the six again has been a real phenomenon for the yeah, game. I agree. Really good.
0: It's um one of the things we try to do at lunch with Lee there's a we're really passionate about men's health. And I think the three things that I've been across in my life are sport, music and business. But you take away people's ability to watch sport or listen to music live. There's a, there's a lot of issues with, with mental health and, and frustration and, and people are really struggling out there. And ho- hopefully this next second wave doesn't happen too quickly and we get we get back to, as you said, normality pretty soon. Kieran, how does a, a guy from Northern Ireland how how do you end up in
2: Sydney Um, good question (laughs) yeah Um, well I I suppose uh, being in the right place at the right time the 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 NXS gig brought me to Australia uh, with my wife and kid um, and it was right place at the right time I met Andrew Farris um, at a party I was touring Australia at the time and and uh, we hit it off over a couple of days, just sort of at parties and stuff. And uh, before you know it, the acoustic guitar comes out and we start Fantastic. singing a few songs and uh, the rest, to say, is history. I'm standing on stage singing Wow! Need You Tonight. So you wooed him, did you?
1: I wooed him. <laughs> wow. There's <laughs> nothing like a guitar and a couple of drinks, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. You should be the next lead singer of your excess. Exactly. Wow. Um, yeah, look,
2: well, prior to that, I'd been sort of, you know I'd, I'd gained a lot of experience as a musician and a writer and so we we headed off as songwriters essentially at the start and we started talking about that and you know I played him a few of my songs and yeah and at a party after three or four days of sort of hanging out we we the acoustic guitar came out and I sang an NXS song with him there and I'll never forget it, it was a beautiful moment where you know we, we did Mystify and he he played the guitar and I sang Mystify and you know, I grew up, like most people of my age group, and I know you guys are fans as well, like excess were a massive part of my youth, but to be, one, to, to call these guys friends and two, to stand on stage and sing those songs was a, a yeah you know, serious honour. So
0: growing up in Northern Ireland, like for better better use of a term here, but there's only two footy teams right there, you're a Catholic, or a Protestant. Yeah. You, you, know, you told me a story once before about some of your experiences, was it? Play, playing in the theatre one time. What was that story?
2: Yeah, look, you know everything in Northern Ireland's divided into two categories. It's literally Catholic or Protestant. So if if you're born in that town, you're you're a Catholic. If you're raised in that town, you're a Protestant. But you know, I'd be. At 15, 16, 17, I was gigging in the pubs of Belfast and Belfast was literally a war zone where, you know, there was a, a peace wall, as they called it, running through the middle where one side of the community lived on one side. So I'd be going between these two communities, playing in all of these sort of venues that you had to lead your gear into a cage before you even got into the venue, you know, just for security and... You know, one night like, um i think the story i told you was standing there and i'm on stage i'm probably 17 or 18 at the time and my best friend's on drums and i'm singing and there's two beautiful girls in the band and yeah. we think it's a <laughs> it goes we, lot yeah we think we're, <laughs> we're in the pig's back it's a football <laughs> dinner dance they're telling us it's wow. football and 15 mass men march around the stage um you know there were the uda which or the uvf which the ulster volunteer force so like a they're a loyalist 100% protestant volunteer you know, like paramilitary group and they're, they're dressed in all black balaclavas kalashnikovs uzis bullets and we're standing on stage and one of them just said to me give me the microphone so I hand him the mic and he, they read a statement out from the loyalist prisoners and you know, they're all there. It's a, they call it a show of arms. You know, the police don't go into some of these areas, so the, these these sort of paramilitary groups police these areas themselves. So there's, you know, a lot of punishment beatings and a lot of sort of violence. Like, like violence literally is part of society, unfortunately. And yeah, it was a bizarre, weird place to grow up. But um, you know, if you've, uh, he handed me the microphone back that night, and that was a kind of defining moment in my career. Where he, he literally he literally said, "Sing you shit." Uh, i I remember singing simply the best by tina turner and 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 the floor the floor just filled as these guys walked out of the room. The dance floor filled and you know, it was like a, a kind of like going from fear to joy that at least they were into what we were doing musically. So it was a bit of a nervous night, but, you know, that, that was Northern Ireland, Jeez. you know.
0: It's a big call singing Simply the Best. That was going to be your last song of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: yeah.
1: And, Benny, you, you, it you became a it became the folklore song of did, the Rugby League. Of the Rugby League, <laughs> mate. That was, that was our theme song. That's right. I've, I've heard this before. Yeah, in it. 1988, Tina Turner came wow. over and um, it turned the world upside down for the Rugby League game. Yeah. It was such a big impact on the game of rugby league. It was uh, second to none on it. and it really and Tina Turner came over here and sang that actual song oh, in 88 at the grand final.
2: Did you know that an Aussie wrote the song? I didn't know no. that. Yeah, a guy called right? Mike Chapman. He's originally a Queenslander, very successful wow, songwriter. I never knew that. Yeah, there you go. He uh, I don't know what age Mike is now, but he's worked with a friend of mine in Ireland, but he he wrote he wrote um, a lot of uh, like uh, Blondie songs oh. and, and he wrote all the smokey living next door to Alice all that is stuff all and, right? and wow. Pat Beneter's uh, he's a very successful songwriter but he, you know Which sim- song simply ben- uh, Love is a Battlefield Love is a Battlefield Well, wow. yeah he's a Queensland boy oh there you go <laughs> so
0: Benny just touched on, what was it like playing rugby league in the 80s it was pretty tough and, you, and you, you came from a team with Big personalities, big EOs. You had Block, you had Wayne Pearce, and you had yeah. Big Zero. You like? know,
1: I, I say this with all the respect in the world. I, I wouldn't give playing back then today because we were so loyal back then. We had such a good group of blokes. We all played at the one club. I mean, I was on with Alan Jones last night with Blocker Roach, and we are just talking about the camaraderie and sticking together how, how we'd have players like Wayne Pearce, blocker Roach, Paul siren and Gary Jack myself we'd all stay at the club one of us had to go all the way for wow. 14 15 years so you can imagine how close we became over 15 years of playing uh, football you saw you like saw each other more than anyone you saw you saw you saw them with more than your family and it became just a great it was a great field of blokes. I mean, that's talking about the off the football paddock. On the football paddock, it was great. We had, you know, we we, we got the two grand finals. Uh, we were fortunate, all of us, that those players were, we played for state of origin in Australia together. We toured around Europe uh, on, on on many occasions and. It was special, and um, it, they, they haven't got that today. That the kangaroo tours, they haven't got that. Mal Meninga's trying his best to get that back into the uh, into the folklore of, of rugby league, but it's just not there at the moment. And uh, they were very special, and, and and look, I wouldn't, as I said, I would not swap it for anything. It's great. What was
0: Blocker saying it was the last night? He was saying that when you first came to Balmain, Balmain were a cash poor club, where they were asset rich, and yes. you, you guys used to get paid by they give you an apartment or something, wouldn't they?
1: Or, no, what do I do? It's a do whole do bet, 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 street now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I try to make the cash flow a lot easier, better for the Tigers at the time. I, I said, instead of me, paying me cash, I'll, I'll take that property there, and instead of giving me a, a cash contract, I'll take the property. Smart and they man. said, well, that's fantastic. If you could do that for us, that'd flow a lot more cash for us. I said, not a problem. So I took possession of that property, and still I've got that property today. That's the trick. And, and, I mean, that property's worth a lot of money. And there were a few of those that I did over the, over the years at the Tigers. And um, it's proven to be gold. So, you know, it really was a, a good, good option at the time, you know. I didn't really need the money at the time. I was, I was very you – know, I was working and, and I was living at home, so life was pretty good. So I thought that I opted for that. And, you know, fortunately down the track it worked in, in your favour.
0: And, Ken, talk about your songwriting. What, what do you enjoy more, performing or, or the art of songwriting? Um, or depends.
1: I think they're two
2: completely different things, but you kind of it is. I was talking to a songwriter over the last couple of days. We're working on a project at the minute, and there's nothing more special than when you stand on stage with a great group of musicians and it's all clicking. It's a bit like what you say in a football team. I played I played Gaelic football growing up, and there is a similarity in being in a great team and in a great band and and when when it's flowing when everyone's on that when everyone's pulling the same way and you you literally can it you it's almost like a sixth sense you know what that guy's going to do and that guy's going to do it's on the football field as well that that feeling is pretty special on stage and then the the energy that feeds into the audience and the and you see the reaction of the audience that is something else there's nothing like it on on the planet but as a songwriter um for me there's almost like a spiritual element to songwriting, where you you go to that sort of place, and you're almost like channeling. The the, the notes are in the atmosphere, and you're almost pulling them out of there. And you, so you're 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 bringing stuff alive that isn't in the room there. And and particularly when you're co-writing and working with someone in a room as well, that's that's a pretty special place. I I I adore both things. The the older they got, I've got I've enjoyed performing more. Uh, when i was younger i was always about their songwriting and it's uh, but i've become less precious about songwriting now and, and i'm i'm enjoying you know i'm a little bit older now and you just don't worry as much as what you used to what people think and
1: uh and i just am, i'm i'm a lot more freer in my mind yeah. uh, you guys are remarkable i mean i just love it shane you know when th- these singers how they get so many instruments all doing something at the same time to sing a great lyric song. It's just phenomenal and I, I find it so clever, so, so clever how they can just put it all together and, you know, you, you hear a... In the, you know, and you, who, how they think of these things. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's
0: brilliant. But it's very funny, ben. it's one of the reasons I come up with this sort of concept of doing this show is that um, my experience, as a sportsman, you've got to be somewhat unemotional and by that I mean you've got to be able to do what you do really well, no matter what the pressure of the game is or the situation or your personal form and just do your job. Yeah. As a performer, a musician, you gotta to be totally emotional. So it's opposites attract, and you always see sportsmen going, "Geez, how do they do that!" And then the musicians often say, "How do you guys?" It's it's a real well, it's mutual a, a, respect. Well,
1: your brother actually—he he sang and he also represented. Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone knows your, your brother, uh, Brett Lee, who's a legend. I mean, I th- I, I I talk to him. I've, I've spoken to him. And he he gets a bigger kick out of being in the band that he does. Is that right for Australia? Yeah, we It's got, amazing.
0: We got signed by EMI Records years ago, uh, called Six and Out we were, yeah. we were. We were very ordinary when we started. But yeah. we're, not, we're not a bad band now. At, yeah. um, Robinson. The emphasis on
1: out. The emphasis was on out. Well,
0: we raised about 80 grand for, the, oh, for those poor, unfortunate kids in Mossman a few weeks ago. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> not a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's all good fun. But, Karen, if you had to uh, look back and, you know, you've opened for Paul McCartney. Was there one moment in time where you stood on stage there and you looked out and you went, I've actually made it?
2: Oh, look, as far as live goes, there's been many moments of, you know, there's the personal things where the personal triumphs where you you, you make the headline fest, you know, a festival in Ireland, maybe not that big a festival, but where you're at home and it's like, these are special moments. But there was a few moments on stage with In Excess where, you know, I'd kind of given up on touring when I got the gig with In Excess. I was 36 years of age and, you know, I'd been focusing on, you know, I'd spent the Six years prior to that, given up on touring and focusing on writing, and I was on TV and writing for briefs for pop stars and movie soundtracks and that type of stuff. And then I'm I'm thrust into the limelight again as a singer, and I'm standing on stage singing in front of 10,000 people in Buenos Aires or wherever going, how... Did this happen? <laughs> and 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 the energy, you know, you're looking around and Kirk Pengilly standing beside you, and Tim Ferris is on the other side, and you're just and John Farris is beating the shit out of you with the drum kit, and you're just like going, "I used to watch this band, yeah. you know, I
1: listened to them growing up. And they were the greatest band See, yeah, in the world, yeah. in the world. I'll never forget it. We're in 1990." When are in excess, we're at their greatest. Yeah. The Australian side, we all went down to Wembley to watch them, and my God, it was the best. It was at Wembley. You were at Wembley? We were at Wembley. We wow. watched them at Wembley. It was enormous. They came and actually, they loved the rugby league also. They came over at Old Trafford, and they watched our second test against England at Old Trafford, and I, and I got player of the match, and I'll, very proudly, Michael walked in with Andrew and and Gary Beers, who was, um, Gary was a big, he was a big, big, Big supporter of the game. Yeah, Gary loves his league. Loves his league. They came in after the game and they said, mate, how did we get your jersey? I said, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) This is yours, my friend. I took it off and gave it to him. Wow. And then then they they introduced, they said, mate, come down to Wembley. We're playing down there. And uh, we went down to the gig and it was awesome. Like, they were the biggest band in the world. Michael probably
0: needed a shirt. He probably didn't have one on. Well... (laughs) (laughs)
1: Mate, you can do anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All
0: right, boys, I think we'll order some food. Um, so to start with, we've got the, the pan-fried trisio, um, entree, the seared scallops, and for the main, we've got the filet mignon with red wine jus. Beautiful. Pomme puree, some garlic mushrooms, steamed greens with almond butter. Fantastic. That sounds great. And we've got some beautiful McWilliam wine. The Hilltop Shiraz, I think, yeah. The McWilliams are the champions of New South Wales wine, so we'll be back right after this. It's no secret I love a gin, and one of our sponsors here, Lunch With Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin, delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful Gin Journal magazine, and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique, and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com. And just use the code Lee 20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back.
2: What, and Benny, what,
0: what about you? Like mate, you got a, a fantastic career. You're a winner. Um, What's the highlight for you? You captain New South Wales. That was must have been a special moment. Um, you played test matches. Is there a moment where you are most proud of, you thought?
1: There was a moment, you know, you, you have many great moments in your life, whether, you know, on stage or... But the, my greatest moment was when we, we played at the Sydney Football Stadium and we were down one one series to out of the best of three and um, we had to win this game and I, I got a cut from ear to ear. Mel Meninga's stud went through my melon and blood started pouring out of my head and, and I'll never forget with about 15 seconds to go I looked to the side of mean, and there's my mother on the football paddy <laughs> what the hell are you doing? <laughs> she's jumped the six foot fence she's got through security wow. and all she was worried about was her her, son. her baby yeah. Yeah. yeah and she's wiping the blood off my head it, full time came and it was like a frenzy and we'd won that game and made it one all in, into the decide. at Lang Park but Sharing that moment with my mother, God bless her, she's got full dementia now, but sharing that moment now was was just one of those moments where you close your eyes and you think, my God, you know it was so special. And it's funny because Phil Gould, our coach at the time, he was a bloke that said, "Yeah, you got to bleed for each other. You got to be, you, you you've got to know that you, if you fall over, the bloke on the left and right hand side are going to be there for you." And and it was such an emotional, it was such a big impact game that that, that I could share that. All of two minutes at the end of the game with my mother on the football paddock. So.
0: Was that that Just, great photo of you with the...
1: All the blood yeah, hanging the off blood, me. Yeah. Mum came on. Yeah, that was, that was the night. And it was fantastic. really was. You know, and obviously playing for your country is a massive, massive... You know, it's funny. Kerry Packer, who was our wealthiest bloke at the time, would, he came in one day and he said that it, he would give all of his wealth to be able to play for Australia. In anything, be be marvelous. and he did. He lo- yeah. he loved the game of rugby league, and he's just watching you play for Australia was the ultimate, and it was the ultimate. I mean, state of origin football was the pinnacle of, of audience, but from a from a prestige point of view, playing for your how country.
2: did you hold the uh, you know the pressure of uh, pulling on the the Aussie jersey and then actually being able to perform at that level was it a was it a a psychological it's a mindset. Yeah. It is.
1: It is. You just you just go to that sphere of of unbelievable um, things that you just don't even you dream about that, that you can and then you're actually doing it and succeeding in in that in that sphere of of success and 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 looking down at the emu and kangaroo and the green and gold. It's just so special and you know and and it is. No one can take that away from you. Playing. I mean, you, you you know, Shane. Yeah. You know, playing for the green and gold is just just so special it really is
0: is it true Benny that um you know that the famous 989 grand final where you went the field goal and hit the the crossbar <laughs> yeah is it true that you guys have never ever watched that game back live or
1: not uh, that was true until sometimes that Fox wanted to do a, a, right. uh, a special on it so they wanted to get Block and myself zero and junior in the same room to watch that replay of that 89 grand final what was that like it was very hard. Yeah, it would be. But It was very hard. I mean, I can, I can now, it's like knowing a song 20, 30 years down the track. How do you remember all the, the words of that song? I can remember almost every play of that night, of that afternoon, of, the, of that great game. And, um, you know, and going into the extra time, the energy, they had the momentum, they had the energy, and I just knew at full time when it was a draw at the time, that they were just, they just had the momentum. and. You can't be disappointed. They had some great players. Like, you talk about Glenn Lazarus, Walters, Clyde, Stewart, Daly, Meninga, Belcher. I mean, they had some terrific players. Their
0: line, wasn't it? Oh,
1: <laughs> and Bellamy was the partner. Yeah. I mean, they had some terrific players. Chicka, Chicka, Chicka Ferguson. And, and, and you can't be disappointed when a side like that beat you. They, they were a special side and a very good coach in Tim Sheens. You know, so...
0: Big time. And out and, and um, of both guys you played with and against... Who was the the guy you thought when you played against was the hardest opposition?
1: Oh, Wally Lewis. Yeah, he was the winner, just, wasn't he? Mate, he was special. Honestly, I, he only played three games a year, but they were all <laughs> state-of-origin games. and you know Because back then, they didn't have week-in, week-out football until the Broncos came in in 1988. So in 1980, it started uh, state-of-origin. So for eight years, Wally Lewis would play three games. I mean, he, he played for up there in the, in the Brisbane comp, but it was such a different sort of competition than what we had down here in Sydney and but state of origin he'd just come and he'd rise and I didn't know how good he was until we were on the 86 Kangaroo tour and we're getting beat by, uh, by, by Wigan Wigan were really getting the better of us at the time and then Wally Lewis came into his own and I thought oh my god and he just took over the game he grabbed the grain by the scruff of the neck took control and mate we won that game for and then I just thought my god this bloke is just first hand yeah oh my god he was special
0: cuz you actually see it um, he's one guy I've seen in person and I think it goes the same with musicians as well they have there's more than just a sportsman more than just a the musician there's this aura about him now Warney's got it um, Wally Lewis has got it Michael Hutchins, I never met him, but he yeah. he, he had it.
1: He, the the
2: X Factor, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, Didn't they bring, bring out I, an album, X Factor, uh, the, the TV show, Simon Cowell. <laughs> well, you know, it is. No, they did bring out X X <laughs> excess X, uh, but yeah, yeah, like yeah, without doubt, there's that sort of aura uh, that that rock, you know, the, those rock stars and, and musicians that you meet, they they sort of that there's an, there's an extra level of uh, magic fairy duster, whatever the hell it is that they just and when you said and when it when they they, they raise on the gig when you stand beside these people over the pleasure of standing beside some amazing musicians and they go for a solo and you literally they stop you and you're on stage with them and you're, you're, your mouth's open just going what the hell did he just do you know that sort of way they just raise it to the next level
0: that happened to me the first time I batted with Mark Wall. he was someone I looked up to and I yeah. and I was watching him bat and I got run out because I was watching him <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it, wasn't, it wasn't a great
2: <laughs> not, <laughs> your, not your high nah, moment
0: mate what's uh Karen, what What's happening now? What's what's on for you now? What are you working on right now?
2: Well, believe it or not, COVID uh, has sort of uh, the the gigs are on the back burner. There is going to be no gigs for a long time, and I've I've thrown myself into being creative. Um, there's a there's a silver lining, you know. Like I said I've, I've I've sort of so many brilliant friends at high levels in the music world, and I've got a really good music publisher. And like I said prior to In excess, I was sort of writing a lot for pop stars, for movie soundtracks, and you know i've written songs for madonna and i've written songs that al pacino sang in movies yeah like
1: you've written songs for madonna yeah celebration wasn't it wow yeah
2: the grammy nomination for that song so wow. i have a wonderful network of like producers writers mixers songwriters all these sort of high end people all over the planet and because of covid every all the musicians are sort of in their home studios and you can collaborate quite easily or I can start something in Wollongong where I'm living now and and send the stuff to a friend in Ireland or a friend in LA and and I have a really really good publisher so there's going to be a lot of music released under my name which I'm excited about and uh, and also just working collaborating and developing younger artists I'm, I'm feeling like a bit of an old bloke now or but there I'm getting you know 18 and 19 year olds calling me up who are very talented
1: going Hey, how the hell do you do this? How do we get from Kieran, where I'm at? So, can we see an explosion of, of songs worldwide? Because everyone's in your same position right around the world. Every every musician is really in your same position. I believe
2: we're, we're entering into this. COVID will bring a, a, a time of extreme creativity where you will see genius rise and you're going to see, I think music, um, the business of music and the, the sort of the monster that 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 machine was has changed greatly and the power is back to the creator now. So you literally do not need anyone now with the internet. A young kid today, like Billie Eilish, got, I don't know, nine Grammys. It was all of that stuff was written and recorded with her brother in a bedroom. That says it all. That says it all. She did it all herself. So you're going to have kids coming through now that are really talented and creatively free, and not stifled like the old days, where the labels were coming in and, and having you to jump through and work, walk this marketing path. You must have so this haircut me, you, and all since that. Since the, of the shit.
1: records and cassettes and mm. and DVDs are all gone out, it's much harder to make a buck, isn't it? It is, but if you can write, if you're qu- if you're not a writer, qu- quality, yeah, exactly. If, if, if you're not, not if you're
2: not a creator, it's very very tough. But it's like anything. If you're very very good at what you do then people will pay for what you do. If you're, you're the best bloody drummer in Sydney, you're going to get booked a lot because everyone will want you in your record or that type of stuff. You're the best player. But as a writer, there's... I, I, I'm not worried about the future for musicians because of the DIY attitude, because of the, the, the reach that the internet now brings literally from your bedroom. You can do it all. You don't need anyone. You don't need a label. You don't need a publisher. You don't need anyone. There's no middlemen anymore needed. Whereas the old industry was there was 25 middlemen before when, you got when your we, record. When up. do we get to see Bruce Springsteen in a packed stadium? Oh, mate. That's, any not five an, years. It? I reckon. I reckon unless they get a some sort of miraculous vaccine comes along, if the last epidemic, the Spanish flu, tells us anything, this is a four or five year ride before we see any sort of normality again. So, look, who knows? There's a lot of smart people, smarter than me, working on a vaccination. I hope it happens because, like you said about mental health, man, it's you know I work with a few charities and a friend of yourselves benny uh, don spencer the australian children's music legend. foundation he yeah, literally legend. yeah he's literally bringing music into rural and and poorer areas of australia and and music programs and the the health benefits not just for children for for everyone uh, for, for getting involved with music um is just phenomenal you know if you if you it, Don's stats are very simple and when he asked me to get involved with this charity I was like absolutely as a father of two kids if you bring in music or drama into a school that doesn't have it first thing that happens is truancy falls off mental health, joy goes through the roof and, and the results of all the other the maths, English, the sciences just go up like, you know,
1: but from the economy point, of view, because it was a very good question about the mental attitude that we've got out there in the market, we're talking about the generic market world that we live in today I'm finding in the business world, people are getting smashed. Yeah. And, and it's not the financial, it's the mental capacity to come back. They could handle the first one. But mate, come and pack through the second one and we're shutting down restaurants like we're in today. It's scary, mate. It is so frightening and it is the mental aptitude that people are trying to live with to get through it because businesses are going down, baby, and I'm telling you, when it goes down, there's a massive effect. Well, and, mass- and a soft
0: underbelly here too. Like, this, oh. this country's been propped up by this fake property price, you know.
1: But and they're doing a wonderful a job. I think the government's they, doing a massive they have, job yeah. because they have maintained almost normality to date. But you go and have a look at the other countries around the world, my God, it is scary. It really is scary. And, and if this gets you out of control here, you know, God help us all. I want to ask
0: you both the same question, and it's around the fight. And I, I really hear it in your voice, Kieran, sometimes, and I don't know where it's a product you grow up in Northern Ireland, but there's a real sort of... A fight and a real sort of angst and anger in there. You can really hear it in your voice. And and Benny, I know you you were born in Lebanon, so both come from places of where there's chaos. Is that a big part of obviously made you guys what you are today? It's our
1: DNA. That's our DNA. We watch our parents and we, we see our parents, you know, working at four or five jobs as we were growing up. I mean, that becomes your education. Your greatest education is your parents and, and the people they're surrounded with and, and in Lebanon, like in Ireland, mate, they've been going for wars for, for, for decades, for de- hundreds of years. It's been tough and you, and you learn to toughen up, you roll your sleeves up, you know, you get your elbows dirty and you get on with it. You don't start whinging about, you know, the little bits and pieces because you get a whack across the back of your head growing up as a kid. But but that's where you learn. That's where I was educated. And that's how I was educated through the toughness and get back up. If you fall down, get back up. Hurry up. If you, you know. It's like around the table. We have seven children in my family. I come, from, I come from a family of seven children. And, mate, you got to the table, and if you didn't eat it, yeah. my goodness, it got out for you. He was gone. <laughs> and you learn the tough way. I yeah. was a little ethnic bloke playing the Aussie game. So, mate, there was no sorrow for me when I got home and said, oh, this bloke called me a wog, Dad, and he called me a spick. I mean, get on with it, son. Like, there's bigger things in life. Pin your shoulders back and just get on with it.
2: Yeah, look, I I 100% agree. Like, parents, I I was lucky. Yes, I I was brought up in a place where there was bloodshed. Literally, there was two hunger strikers and my IRA men that died on hunger strike in my parish. Jeez. Um, you know, so you're surrounded by you know, going to school in the morning where the British soldiers were searching through your lunchbox for Semtex and fucking grenades and everything. Jeez. So there was, there, was, there was just bloodshed and pain and anger and hurt. But one thing that I learned from my mom and dad is that they, my mom raised five kids worked night shift in intensive care and in a hospital. My dad was in the building site every day. Never complained. Went to their work. Worked hard. And 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 the one thing that was beautiful about it, there was no hatred or sectarianism or any of that sort of crap.
1: And talked about. It and, and you house. know what? Kira, and you could not not be affected by watching your parents doing the hard yards, doing the tough stuff, seeing the ugliness and the and, and, and the and the and the. The war that was going on over there, you just could not be oblivious to that type of stuff. And, and that inherits your toughness as a, as, as a writer. I mean, this, this, I mean you've probably done seven or eight songs, they didn't work. We thought they were going to be number ones, but you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. And we need that resilience right now.
2: Well, and that's what I, I, I hear what you're saying, Benny, about the, the economic fallout of all of us. I don't think we've even start, seen the start of this yet. And poor people, you know, that are self-employed or running their own venues or running their own clubs or running their own restaurants or struggling. And Business is going to be hit. But we are resilient. We've come through, you know, if you look at history, I still think we're still living in one of the most blessed times that ever was in history. And I think that, well, Things might fall down, fall over, things will go away, nothing stays the same, but we are a tough uh, species and we will survive and we will we will adapt to the new world, and it is a new world, it's, there's no this doubt about than, it.
1: This is bigger than 9-11, this is bigger than, than the GFC in 2008. This is the, this is an extraordinary time, and my children have never seen anything, because they've always had a good, they've always had a good, and all of a sudden they're, they're starting to think, oh my God, this is... A, pretty disastrous. I said, this is disastrous. This hopefully will be finished sooner rather than later. But you know, watch out what, what this could potentially do. And when you see your Prime Minister get and your Premier of State get on TV, on national TV, and they tell you how so you can see the you can see the worry in their face. I mean, the 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 Premier of Victoria, you see you can see he's scared and he's he's adamant now. They've cut off they they're not, not going to tolerate anything anymore because people aren't pulling along what they should be doing. I mean, they think they're, they're superior and they think they're above all this. And until such time that we take this respectfully, very, very seriously, we won't get over it. And and that is the mental aptitude then. You've got to be able. And there's some very weak people out there, some very strong people out there. But, mate, we all are in this together, whether we like it or not. And we just we got to shoulder up. Really, to listen.
0: Be vigilant. Yep, I agree. Well, guys, I want to thank you, you both for coming on the show. Um, Benny, I've known you for years, mate. You're, um, we need to get you in this hall of fame, by the way. I think you were you were a um, as a hooker. You're a you halfback playing a hooker's position. You, you changed that role, mate, and um, always been a big fan. You have got a real fight in you, which I love. It's the New South Wales blue spirit I love. And Kieran, uh, if the listeners haven't heard your voice, mate, guys, you got to check it out. One of the most amazing voices going around. And thanks for uh, thanks for coming on awesome. lunch with Lee and. Um, Let's have a little bite to eat now at Kingsley's Australian Steakhouse.
2: Oh, man, spoiled. Can't wait. Thanks for thanks. having me, Sam. It's
1: been a pleasure to meet you. You too, brother. Cheers.
0: That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Benny Elias and Kieran Gribbin. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work in making things happen. And thanks to our sponsors, the Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. And a big thank you goes out to Kingsley's Australian Steakhouse on King Street, Sydney. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars, and if you're passionate, leave a review. And come check us out on our socials, I'm at Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be changing some more top dogs, some complete legends about sport, music and business, and another cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then.